Hello, my name is Jupiter Hadley, and today we're doing another episode of What's Cindy News. This is the June edition. We've been gone a while. Um, part of that's kind of my fault, part of that's scheduling. Uh, we recorded a long bulk episode of two months uh, last month, and I didn't record my audio correctly after asking everyone like four times if they were recording their audio correctly, because sometimes the world is against me. So, in this episode, we have a returning guest from the missing episode, Dan, from B3. Hello. And we've got Joseph, as always. Hey. And Kemp. Hello. Awesome. So, yeah, that's what happened. That's where the missing episodes are. Dan said a lot of great stuff. Joseph wasn't the last one. Kemp was there, and he spoke a bit. I spoke far too much. That's the recap. Uh, but on to June. Newer and more fresh times. You can't prove I wasn't there, though, so... I mean, I can. We have everyone else's <laughs> recording. We just don't have mine, okay. mate. <laughs> All right, yeah, ro- okay, you can. Yeah, great, great chat. <laughs> right, so who wants to kick off uh, major news? Um, I can do it. Go for it. Okay, so as of the 4th of June 2018, uh, Twitch celebrated the entire Pride Month, which was June, um, and they were showcasing LGBTQ plus creators in the Twitch community and reaffirming their support by marching in the San Francisco Pride March, releasing new Pride-themed emotes and supporting several charities. Our community is strongest and our creators make the best content when everyone on Twitch feels like they belong and can be themselves, said Brittany Brown, community campaign manager at Twitch. Since diversity and inclusivity are core principles of Twitch, we have planned an entire month of events and fundraisers dedicated to promoting and maintaining these values. In addition, the streaming giant will be fundraising for the human rights campaign via four new t-shirts that Twitch will be selling, showcasing gay, bisexual, transgender and lesbian flags. Twitch is also partnering with It Gets Better to create a video showcasing several Twitch employees' stories of coming out with the aim of inspiring LGBTQ plus youths around the world. That's pretty cool. I don't do anything with Twitch. And I don't think YouTube does much because YouTube demonetizes LGBTQA plus videos constantly. So it's great that Twitch made an effort. Yeah, I think YouTube's contribution is just a tweet each year. <laughs> did, did they even tweet? I, I think they did. I didn't even check. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's nice to see Twitch doing things. It's also yeah, very busy. Sorry. I was just I was just going to say Twitch's had a busy month as well since they've also been doing there's also been a lot of other charity stuff going on Twitch too, which we'll get to. Wonderful. And I, I feel like Twitch is getting better uh with its whole community. It's also released, didn't it release some stuff uh, earlier this week actually saying that it wasn't going to allow like harassment and like really, really racist stuff on Twitch anymore? Uh, I believe they did. They're, they're really starting to turn it around now, which is nice to see somebody doing it. So. Uh, finally, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm guessing it was like now it's the announcement the other week was more of a kind of saying we're being a bit harder on this because I know when they updated the terms of service they had they re they kind of reaffirmed those um uh policies on anti being against racism and homophobia and everything like that and all sorts of harassment but I'm guessing like I said the last week is just a reaffirmation saying yeah we're not putting up with this good they shouldn't don't give bad people a platform. That's it. Cool, cool. Do you want me to read the uh, next one? Uh, yeah. Sure. Unity partners with Google Cloud as it migrates its infrastructure to services. I don't use Google. I don't use Unity. I do use Google. I don't use Unity, but okay. Um, the Unite Berlin keynote included some big announcements for engineer developer Unity including a strategic alliance with Google Cloud as it moves its infrastructure to the service. This alliance will benefit developers by giving them access to the technology to make it easier to produce connected games. This begins with multiplayer server hosting and a new open-source matchmaker project co-funded by Unity and Google Cloud. The project integrates directly with Unity, giving all developers on the platform the opportunity to take advantage of a powerful matchmaking tools. We're proud of the many Unity developers that collectively produced more than half the world's games Said John, oh, Richitello? Richitello. Richitello, okay. Yeah, yeah. John Richitello, CEO at Unity. 
Multiplayer games have long been the fastest growing types of games. Multiplayer games are also the most challenging to create and properly support. Our alliance with Google Cloud will help developers build multiplayer games more easily and operate them more cost-effectively at a global scale. People really still want to play with other people? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, I guess. Like, I don't, but okay. Yeah, I I don't either. Mostly because I suck at any (laughs) multiplayer game, but... Any of them. I played a multiplayer match three game recently. I'm sure you don't suck at match three. I would probably f- lose every match. That's sad. You should I get mean, good. I mean, I've been playing um, Mario Tennis Aces, and I really like the multiplayer on that, mainly because there's no com- way to communicate between people. Yes! You just play. <laughs> They're just like better AIs. Yeah, I was about to say, it's like single pair, <laughs> but with better AI. Exactly, that's it. So do you want more multiplayer games, Joseph, or do you want better AI? <laughs> uh, this might be a discussion I should have with Tommy Thompson, maybe. This is. You should do it. You should go on his channel and be like, I would like to discuss whether we need more <laughs> AI or more multiplayer games and you can't communicate with the other players, because I'm pretty sure <laughs> it's easier now with this Unity Google Cloud partnership to just make multiplayer. We don't need AIs anymore. <laughs> people will be the AIs. People will be the AIs. I like I'm, that. I'm intrigued at this stat they've thrown in that more than half the world's games are made in Unity. I wonder if that's actually true. I don't know. Define a game, first of all. That is a very good point. So oh, what gosh. definition of game do they use? Do Flickr games count? Because there's a shit ton of Flickr games. Are any of those actually games? Or are they just kind of interactive media? I mean, if we define a game as something made in Unity, then they make all the games. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very good point. I don't know. I don't know. There's so many other engines out there. I wonder if they count all of the fringe engines. I wonder if they count things like, I don't know, uh, Bitsy, Flickr, Godot, Twine. Do any of those count in this statistic? Probably not. I mean, it's probably just like the major three, which is Unity, Unreal, Game Maker, or whatever. Is, is it even Game Maker? It's like Unity and Unreal, isn't it? It's probably just of all the games launched on Steam and console platforms, and completely takes like most free games and itch games out, or games on itch out of the equation. There are no Bitsy games and no Flickr games on Steam. There you go. Just for a start. The choice of engines on there. Hmm. The choice of engine is on there. I don't know what this means. Have you not? Oh, fair, fair. It's a bit like Twine. but The choice yeah. of engine? Yeah, it's called choice of. Oh, sorry. The choice no. of games engine. No, that's cool, that's cool. I... It's a weird one to say in a sentence. <laughs> <laughs> there were speech marks around it. It was in italics when I said it. I'm My surprised bad. you My didn't bad. hear the emphasis. Yeah, sorry. no, it's cool. It's cool. Um, I used to have a sticky note on my uh, desk. I actually might still have it. I, it's just blocked by stuff, and it was listing. I do have it. it listed all of the engines I'd come in contact with. Gotcha. And it's like Unity, Game Maker, RPG Maker, Construct, Unreal, Pyron, Twine, Fusion, Scratch, Bitsy, um, ha- Haxel, Hax, Fixel, Godot, Fusion, Pico Eight, Pocket Code, uh, L- uh, Lib GDX. <laughs> And that was, Superpowers? That's the last time I updated it. So if we start looking uh, at like okay. all of the engines, like it's it's a sticky note that literally sits behind my monitor at this point. I don't ever look at it because I don't care. Uh, but I just at one point started no- like noting down for a year all of the Game Jam games with different engines. And that was the list I got. So the consensus is that maybe John Ritticello misspoke. I mean, I just consider it just depends on what they... Yeah, like, it depends on the definition of game. Of a game. Tennis? That's a game. Yep. <laughs> M- Monopoly as well. Yeah, we can't like board games in this. They're all board games made in Unity. Exactly. I don't think there's many. I don't think there's many. So what I'm really dreading now is, you know, the old joke about uh, adding multiplayer, just like ticking the multiplayer box in Unity. Yeah. This is really giving the people who believe that a bit of fuel, isn't it? It is a bit. It is a bit. 
I mean, obviously... I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> yeah, obviously you wouldn't avoid implementing features just to stop those people saying silly things, but I, I, I do see a bit of a resurgence of that thing. I find it quite interesting that Unity have partnered up with one of the big free cloud cloud uh, providers as opposed to working on their own solution or acquiring a smaller company to do it. Uh, because increasingly there seems to be a lot of people pairing up with Microsoft for cloud or Amazon for cloud or Google for cloud. And it's it's kind of centralizing all of this onto these, these services and just adding more power into these, these big free, which is a situation that you see with engines and you see with video game publishers, funnily enough. And it just seems to be doing that, turning everything into a pyramid at the top. It is an interesting trade-off because, I mean, on one hand, you've got the fact that it's obviously incredibly reliable when these companies are running it and you get all their guarantees about uptime and all that but like you say you get less control over how it's actually run yeah definitely big loss of control what happens if i know it seems unfeasible at the moment but what happens if google servers do go down and google cloud does go down death to everything it all breaks like what it <laughs> oh, yeah, it breaks if google goes down that's just a dystopia at that point isn't it that's it. everyone has to start scenarios that's it, everyone wandering through the ruins of buildings, just uh, just talking to Siri to learn things instead, and, and using Yahoo and Ask Jeeves. I like how this change from like normalness to dystopia and ruins is like instantaneous as soon as Google goes down. That, that's There's it. no in-between, it's, in, it's just instantaneous. Look, have you ever used Bing? <laughs> Touché. Have you seen um, the IT crowd where she talks about the internet breaking and how the world will go into chaos if this internet box that's nothing actually breaks? That's basically what happens yeah. if Google breaks. That's it, yeah. Nobody Google knows what to do anymore. Box. I, IT crowd predicted the future. But the box was actually Google. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if you've ever typed the words like, what or why or any kind of question starters into Google, you can see exactly how much people rely on it because of the answers that auto-populate now. It's it's like, you know, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if there's people like, why has water stopped running in my house? Have you tried turning on the taps and stuff? I wouldn't be surprised if there are groups of people out there that are that reliant on on search engines now. Cool. Good chat. We should move on to the next chat. Probably <laughs> <laughs> should. Yes. Um, do we do this one? Yeah. Women in Games launches strategy on improving gender diversity in esports. Um, reported on the fifth of July, uh, Women in Games released a report recommending how the esports industry can foster diversity within the rapidly growing and male-dominated sector. With the number of women working in esports estimated to be around 1 in 20, Women in Games noted that one of the main issues is an awareness gap. In the core 18-24 age group, the lack of awareness was 19% of men and 52% of women, said Women in Games. The awareness gap between genders creates a self-fulfilling prophecy that allows some men in esports to say that women are not interested in esports. Women in Games has issued a recommendation for women-only tournaments as a short-term solution to the diversity question with an aim to inspire promote the birth of to inspire with the aim to inspire promote the birth of new female teams create visibility and provide competitive experience in a safe space i so, watch i've i've started watching a lot of esports um especially dota rainbow six and some counter-strike and it is it's it's just literally all guys. It's in, pretty pretty crazy when you think you know that it's like there's there should be no reason there should be little to no reason. <laughs> uh, j- just for clarity, there when you say the number of women working in esports estimated to be around one in twenty, you mean that one in twenty people in esports is a woman, not one in twenty women work in esports, <laughs> presumably. <laughs> yeah. I don't like esports, so that's just <laughs> <laughs> that's me saying that. Um, very recently, I saw a thread on Twitter about um, a female playing like Dota, and uh, she was playing with a load of guys, and they kept accusing her of cheating because she was doing well. And then she flipped on her recording, like she went on Twitch to prove that she wasn't cheating to like show her game, and then she was bombarded in chat 
with all of this hate thrown to her until she broke down and started crying mid-match and left. And it was the most heartbreaking thing to read about. That's terrible. Ugh. And I feel like it happens like again and again and again in esports. And I feel like as soon as it was announced that there would be women teams, like even in the past, like before this, when there was like all girls teams, it was like, oh, see, girls aren't good enough to play with boys. And that's why they're all girls against girls. And not because, you know, guys are like kind of awful to girls who play esports. So yeah, I, don't exactly. know, I don't really know how to fix that. But... Uh, uh- <laughs> I mean, I do think that kind of all female uh, tournaments and stuff is is probably a good way to start at least because mm. it'll it'll get more people in and more people seen. Because ultimately, the next generation of people who compete in any sport are the people who are watching sports as children now. Mm-hmm. So, so I don't want to talk about it really, but the football at the minute, the football, which is going on in England, are doing are you quite well. Football, but weirdly. With a two in it, yes. Yeah, okay. Game. Yes. So England are doing quite well at the minute. So uh, kind of my kids are talking about this now and there will be more kids in the playground that will go out and actively try and do good at the football as a result of seeing and hearing about people doing good at the football. They will learn the names. And so really you need to have people succeeding in one theatre or another for people to learn that name and not so much idolize these people but certainly want to start to follow in their footsteps and so mm-hmm. female only tournaments are are a good way at least to expand the pla- the female player base that is visible and accepted no i agree with that as well and i'm ho- hoping that if we did do female only tournaments then because the one big thing about tournaments is they gather a lot of data on kind of performances and performance index and what you can then do is kind of compare these to other players and you would be like oh hey people from this tournament this women's only tournament are just as good as people in the other tournaments so they yeah. can easily just be in there um so I'd, I'd agree with that as well i mean one, one of the downsides of course is that once you've established a, a men's only tournament and a women's only tournament it's very hard to change the fact that you've got a men's only tournament and a women's only tournament like when, once something has momentum, it's very hard to divert it into a mixed one. For example, this is true. And you look at some some sports; they are still utterly divided. Uh, mm-hmm. Football and tennis, for instance, don't have you know mixed gender tournaments, as far as I know. At least not the big international ones. Uh, but that is physical sports rather than you know games, esports. Hmm. Electronic sports. Electronic sports. <laughs> electronic sports. <laughs> Which it sounds a lot more dangerous. Electronic sports than esports, to be honest. <laughs> Although esports sounds like a drug. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> Let's electrocute people for sports reasons. <laughs> Can we? Right. Let's move on to something I love talking about. Proc Gem. Cool. Proc Jam Kickstarter was funded. Thank you for funding it. If you funded it, thank you. If you didn't fund it, I'm a bit disappointed in you, but you probably have your reasons. It was funded. There were a bunch of stretch goals. We didn't make the stretch goals. That's fine. Uh, but because it's funded, we are going to be able to do a lot of the stuff that we want to do, like make a game maker um, pack, basically, that's going to help people easily create procedurally generative stuff. We're going to do the Seeds issue 3 again this year, so that's our, like, Zine, and we're going to redo the site so that the Zine articles are easily searchable, so you don't have to thumb through 120-ish pages to find the one that you want. That's great. I'm still going to record stuff, but I'm going to be able to do that in a way that it's a priority and done in a timely manner, Um, and that's all cool and great. There were stretch goals uh, about Unity tutorials and Unity starter packs and getting tutorials translated. We're still looking into doing that because um, you've put here, I think it was mentioned that community tutorial- tutorials and Unity starter packs are happening. We're looking into it. Uh, there's a couple of different things we want to do and we have a couple of other ways that we get funding. Um, so that will depend on chats. Cool. I'm excited about Proc Jam. The Proc Jam summer just ended and there's like loads of really cool entries and I've been playing through some of those and 
it's quite nice to play through game jams that aren't just about games. I mean, I like games, but it's just like a breath of fresh air, just going through weird environments or checking out, I don't know, um, a generative thing that just generates funny words or looking at color palettes that are generated. It's great. I love Proc Jam. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I've, I've been doing work on procedural generation. I really want to... Hoping to throw some more stuff in there so i'd love to see more proc jam things as well and also like some of the um because you just some of the um Resources. things that you've got come out of it like see um like the starter pack is super useful especially for someone who hasn't really done anything in game maker to be fair yeah fair no, it should all be super cool. If you have something that is procedurally, or that just generative, if you have something that's generative related, whether it be a game that you want to write about, or a tutorial that you want to share, or a bunch of images that you procedurally generated, or a thing talking about how much knitting you did through a procedurally generative, well, no, a randomly generative program that made these patterns, Seeds is going to be taking submissions soon. Um, look out for that and submit your stuff to me and I'll look over it and then put it in a zine that's way too big to be a zine and should really be a book. <laughs> Good chat. <laughs> Joseph, I expect you to submit something now. Oh, God. Submit. I'll, 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 I'll get on it now. You can I'm literally out. just write... I'm, I'm going. <laughs> no, 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 I'm you going. have to come back. No, no, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> After this, one project at a time. This one now. All of them at the same time. <laughs> no, it never works out well. Maybe you can procedurally generate stories for this podcast. <laughs> Maybe yeah. I can procedurally generate my voice on the podcast. Could make one story up using procedural generation and then people have to guess which one it was. Oh my god, that is a fun game. That is a cool game, actually. Do That's it. actually not a bad idea. Yeah. Full of I'll, great call it, ideas, I'll call it me. fake news. There you go. It's topical as well. Exactly. Personally, I want to see more procedurally generative cultures. <laughs> Figure that one out. Ooh. I would like different groups, factions in games, and I want all of their cultures, their outfits, their um, religions, everything to be procedurally generated. That's what I want to see. That's interesting. I can't remember how much Dwarf Fortress does in that regard. I know it does generate, like, civilizations that have lived in the world. I don't know how deep it goes into it. Well, unless Dwarf Fortress starts submitting itself to Proc Jam, I mean, I'm probably <laughs> not going to play it. <laughs> I was going to say, Caves of Cud does a very good job of generating history. Uh, like mm -hmm. Dwarf Fortress, it generates everything from the ground up, but it has this very cool uh, kind of Arabian desert tribe style to the whole game, but that's super cool and off-topic. That's fine, you can be off-topic. Top and... On topic, I played Data Agent, which I think was recently made uh, for something to do with a proc jam, or it's appeared recently to do with proc jam, maybe, I don't know, who knows? And that is a a game which takes data from, or took data from Wikipedia and automatically generated an adventure where you're kind of a time-travelling crime solver. Okay, give me a link, because I feel like this sounds like proc jam, but it's not. It's probably not. I'll send you a link another time. You can correct me a later time. So. Fuck! I want to collect. Uh, like I want to correct you now in front of humans. No, it's fine. live on the air. I mean, I've just looked twice, and it's definitely not the proc jam list. It's probably not then. You go. But now I must know, so I will go and control click data. Mm, it see. uses Mike Cook's sprightly. That might be why I assumed it was related. Yeah. Or relevant. Mm. Mm, anyway, moving on. <laughs> moving on. Good chat. On to indie releases. We've got a couple of indie releases. Yeah, I, I've only got a small collection. Um, but if you guys can remember anything that you've been playing that came out uh, recently. Um, recently, then that would be good. I was going to add something else, but then I realized it technically wasn't indie. But I um, mean... Listen, you can talk about stuff that's tech. We've gone over this, Joseph. We understand you don't love indie as much as we do, and you're not devoted to indie as much as we are, but we'll let you still talk <laughs> about your other games. I love indie, I swear. 
Yeah, okay, sure you do, but... With, with, with my with my bloody Mario tennis. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, uh, first release is Voyager. This is something on itch. And just to give you a brief description, uh, the descent device lets you fall, um, quote-unquote, towards the center of the galaxy faster than light, faster than any human sh- being should. On your way, you'll carry exotic goods, stories, and a crew of outcasts. But only a Voyager would willingly go on a one-way trip planned by long-dead aliens. Explore a myriad of cultures and worlds and five different visions of the (laughs) future of humanity. Uh, Recruit a crew of misfits to aid you in unfolding your own story. A diverse, far-future setting inspired by contemporary science fiction literature, a story at every port, and a unique galaxy generated just for you. Uh, and it's available for four ninety nine on HIO. And it's basically speaking of procedural generation, it's um, a huge expanse of like a, a generated story, basically in system. And it's just about you making your way through a single direction to the center of the system and going across these planets and coming up with different, um, figuring out stories. And um, it looks really interesting and considering the conversation we just had about proc jam probably up your street jupiter i might have to look at it then or not i don't know i don't look at games for fun very often anymore but with that said i really like the look of these like little planets and stuff and i can play it on a mobile device i've cleared out room on my phone so i can play more mobile phone mobile mobile games that's the word sorry (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I got stuck in a loop of saying mobile phones and I couldn't stop. Okay. Better now. Uh, yeah, mobile games. So yeah, maybe I'll take a look. Maybe I'll take a look. Nice. Um, the next two we have in the list are VR games, so I'm going to go through them pretty quickly. Cause oh, I want to read many... about Carly. Carly is cool. Um, I have just a story with... about Carly. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I do. Um, well, the f- first one we've got up is Budget Cuts, which came out on the 14th of June. Probably may have heard this. It's been a very, um, a very much hyped game by a lot of places. Um, even on the Steam page, they have reviews from Road to VR, VR Freaks, and IGN. Um, but uh, to give you a brief rundown of uh, Budget Cuts, you are an employee at mega conglomerate Transcorp to stamp papers and file files. Unfortunately, Transcorp is an expert in the business of manufacturing cost-cutting robots, and soon your job will be in danger. Um, as another one of your co-workers is being dragged off to the terrifying HR department, a mysterious package arrives at your cubicle. Will you be able to save your job? Uh, main features include unleash your inner office spy ninja skills, thrilling oil splatter field close quarter combat, dexterously zip, sneak, or ramble your way forward, built for room scale virtual reality from day one. Um, this looks like uh, Portal, but in an office. Yeah, I think I think a lot of the reviews are just like this is just like something Valve would make, or I think along those lines. This is Portal, but in an office. Yeah, um, probably a bit more violent as well. It 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 does say it's rated Peggy Seven, but they would not suggest younger children play the game. <laughs> I love Especially how your rating like system stuff. is called Peggy. As I don't even know what Peggy stands for. It's a person who rates everything. Pan-European Game Institute. It's a person who rates everything. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up, Dan. It was was the British television and something rating before. Uh, It transferred over in like the mid mid to late 2000s. I I just feel like it's always someone's birthday. Like a trailer comes up and the first thing they say is Peggy 18. It's like, thanks for the update. (laughs) Peggy's 18, great. (laughs) I literally spit out water. At that, <laughs> I couldn't do it. Good chat. I mean, um, it's not—it's not a very good birthday celebration, really, is it? Just someone with a deep voice, don't, just don't announcing your name and your new age. <laughs> don't judge other people's birthdays, Dad. <laughs> oh boy, I hope that the 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 Peggy announcer guy comes round on my eighteenth birthday. <laughs> Dan, eighteen. Yes, now everyone knows. <laughs> says Dan 18 in front of a game you might enjoy. FIFA 19. <laughs> but, but I'm not called I'm not called Peggy. Yeah, 
But if you were, you'd be announced in front of a game that you might like in front of. Maybe her gift. Maybe the gift is her, the game. Maybe some millionaire kind of like died and put all of their money in their will to make sure that everybody knows the age of of this Peggy of person. Peggy. And so maybe they that's keep what going it is. backwards and forwards as well. It's crazy. This, this is true. Maybe they had some sort of a time machine to, and and all of the I'm games thinking. actually came out in order, and we're just seeing them. Out. Anyway, I mean, Carly yeah. and the Reaper Man. Carly and the Reaper Man. Um, I'm gonna talk. Can I talk about this one? Uh, uh, Please. Fine. Have you even I played guess. it? No, I played a game similar to it. Which no, I think so was... shut up. You're done. Okay. <laughs> you haven't even played it. Carly and the Reaper Man Escape from the Underworld came out. It's a couch co-op experience that you can play in VR, but one person doesn't. Um, you master platforming to avoid dangers, solve puzzles, and build your way through the underworld in this cooperative two-player game. Player one plays as Carly on the computer screen in a classic platforming game where player two helps out as the Reaper Man in VR. Dan, did you play this at Sweden Gamesconf? Nope. Okay, I played this at Sweden Gamescom. My footage was sent to them afterwards because I got really into this game. Uh, so basically, I played for the first time with a person called Nikki, and I was in the VR, and I normally don't play in VRs, but I was. And you build the level, and then you sort of, as you're building, you're the death man. I'm the death man. I'm the Reaper man. Um, Nikki was Carly, and she platformed around and, like, tried to make it to the end goal. You can't directly, like, stick out your hand and hold Carly or anything. You just have to, like, grab blocks and put it in the right spot. But as you progress in the game, sometimes the blocks that you put out can only be out for a limited time, and you only have a limited number of them, and there are lasers, and there's, like, fire coming to eat her, and there's these beautiful worlds that are handcrafted. The best part of the game, for me was um, trying to get to the end without actually doing the game. So we found that we could, if you stack the boxes just right and you time stuff just right, you could bypass the majority of the game, if you were lucky, and just get to the end. Like, you could just build a line straight to the end of the level, but it was super, super tricky. So I ended up um, getting uh, Dan Deracha to come play because Nikki didn't want to play with me anymore because I was getting too into this game. And, like, because I'm quite bossy when it comes to playing two-player games. So I'd, like, set up all the bricks, and you've got, like, 30 seconds to start jumping. And I'd start, like, physically, like, jumping up and down, going, go, 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 and moving them. And then as soon as they messed up, I'm like, what the fuck? We don't have that many chances left. And I'd get so upset. Um, so that was my experience. I had a great time. It's, um, like, literally the reason that I started, like, pining so hard for a VR was just to play this game. I have my VR, haven't set it up. This will be the first game that I play on it. I'm so excited that it's out. It's so wonderful. Seriously, I had a great time. It's probably my favorite game from Sweden Game Conference. It's like the only game that I actually actively followed after the event. Uh, it's wonderful. And I don't like VR games. Like, I don't. <laughs> I love the aesthetic. That's all I can say. It's gorgeous. Yeah, see, I was better at introducing this one. Sorry. Yeah, you definitely were. I was. I wasn't really gonna add as much, because um, all I played was I played a prototype similar, but except that it was kind of competitive rather than cooperative, where you had That's one lame. person on the controller and one person um, as like this big, towering head that is trying to find the other person. Wait, um, wait, this isn't the same game, is this? No. It just reminded me of it. Though. Right. Is that like the game where you're inside the middle building and you have to sort of go around the outside and race to like uh, I don't a think... gem? I... I think so, maybe. I've played that game as well. That game is not nearly as good as this game. I wrote about that game a while back. It was originally a game jam game and then it, they updated it. Ah, oh, okay, yeah. I remember it being a game jam game. I don't remember the name. I could look it up, but it would take far too long. Now nah, let's just let's just carry on. Okay, Dan, do you want to talk about Pode, or I'll talk about Pode? About what? Uh, Pode. Oh Pode, yeah. How you say? Pode. Uh, you can talk. You can talk about it, but yeah. Fine. It's really good. It's really good. It's a game that Dan's site reviewed. Good chap. Um. So 
this is another game I saw at an event. Surprise, surprise. I first saw this game about a year ago now in Gamescom in the Unity booth. And it's this adorable two-player. You can play it single-player. Don't. Just play it two-player. It's this adorable two-player game where one person plays this little rock guy and this other person plays this little sun guy. And both of them are exploring this world just trying to get back home. And uh, the rock person makes gems grow and the light person makes, like, flowers grow inside these old caves. And you solve little puzzles and move around. It's really friendly to play with, like your uh, siblings or like your children or people who suck at video games because you can switch which character you are to like solve the puzzles and stuff so they can just go around growing stuff and you can just solve everything and actually be good at the game um i like this feature personally they are focusing hardcore on um console releases because they feel that it's a two-player game that it's best played with two people and i agree a hundred percent so it just came out on nintendo switch for 24 dollars and 99 cents uh, it's a great game little characters do this really cute thing where if one like gets too far ahead they'll turn around and they'll look sad or they'll wave at the other person and if the other person comes with them and they're like about to transition to the next level they like high five or hug before they go Little touches, Aww. guys. Little touches. And they walk off to the next level holding hands. Yes, they do. It's, it's very cool. It's it's got a lovely kind of low poly aesthetic, and you you go into these you go into these big empty caverns, and by the time you leave the level, you've naturally just because it's so cool, you've kind of grown all of these plants and grown all of these shiny gems and and moved all of these rocks around and lit up the walls, and it's it's a really cool game taking stuff from nothing to something just as you pass by. Mm. Like the inverse of a lot of games where you just go into a room and destroy everything and leave when it's empty. It's like the inverse of that. You're bringing a place to life just by trying to get through it. Mm. Which is cool. Yeah, I've yeah. seen this game seen this game before. We actually used it as inspiration for one of our projects uh, we did last year. Um, just the kind of cooperative, like um, having two different elements um but yeah i just the aesthetics is really nice and i think it sounds like the kind of thing you kind of need to see in action what you know like you were saying with the with the levels growing um as you play through them yeah mm. and it's cool. just interesting moving yeah. on to another game that i uh have been following for ages and I'm going to preface this with I'm linking to an article as opposed to the game page because it's a beta of the game. And to get a beta of the game, you need to join their official Discord group and then type a load of stuff into a channel and then you get a key. And that's this is the only article that explains it in a way that I can actually follow it. So I'm just prefacing it with that's why I'm linking this article everywhere. I didn't even write it. Um, but Hypnospace Outlaw came out on beta. Um, another preface, I didn't grow up in the 90s on the internet. I'm too young to grow up in the 90s on the internet. This is like a weird, wacky game about being in the internet in the 90s, and basically, you're the internet's police. You're, um, in charge of making sure that people aren't harassing other people, that they aren't using currencies that they aren't allowed, they aren't using copyrighted information, stuff like that, copyrighted pictures and stuff. So... You get tasks to your inbox that are like, hey, we've heard that, you know, um, there's all these pages that are using this weird type of money that we don't approve. Go find them. And you have to type stuff in and search the internet and follow different threads and follow different websites and report stuff and you get money for doing that. You can also spend that money on stuff like a little pet called April that you'll then probably kill by not checking on on your desktop. Very sad. You have to feed her a lot. Or, like, new songs or backgrounds or stickers. And it's just really weird and bizarre and fun. Um, everything's so 90s. Uh, even down to the emails you're getting. At one point, you get an email that's basically like, there's only one person working on all of the internet, and uh, here he is giving you an assignment because he couldn't be bothered to do it through the official thing that looks like a robot. Uh, stuff like that. It's just... It's weird. It's great. Uh, I love that the beta, 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 whatever. I love that the beta's out. It's, it's just so nice. Um, yeah. I don't the, know. I've the, played a lot of it. The websites are very early nineties. Like everything's animated. And it's got weird fonts everywhere, and 
Yeah, everything looks like it's from GeoCities, which was like yes. the thing that was popular before MySpace, which existed before Facebook. And like GIFs were this cool thing and you had a skeleton playing a trombone and you put little flame GIFs on things and had it autoplay music and you felt like you were king or queen of the internet. So it was, uh, but that was a long, long time ago. If I, if I recall rightly for this game, they took sort of community submissions for the websites in the game as well, didn't they? I believe so. I know they that there's a, there's a couple of uh, kind of internet individuals and celebrities that also have their own areas on it as well, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I want to figure out how to get one of my own up there. That's my goal in life right now. That's it. Cool. A bunch of other games were added. I've just added some games on here because it was looking pretty lacking and it was actually quite a busy month, uh, although far too many to, to list and probably a lot that we couldn't talk about too much, so I kept it down to just another... Yeah, that's quick it. fire them wow. down. Wow, I will quick fire them. Okay, so wait, wait, see... wait, wait, wait. Can I quick fire my two at the end, though? Yes, of course you can. I'll leave those, yeah. So okay. Seeds of Resilience was rec- was up until very recently called Stormlands. It's a game where you build a village on a deserted island and it's kind of turn-based and there's loads of building and it's, it's got this, this amazing deep crafting system to it. It's still very early early in development, but for people who, who really like kind of building and, and uh, just have a look at the page, but it's really good and there's really cool natural disasters that, that happen as well and it's just fun if you're one of those people that can really throw themselves into a into a game knowing that there's a risk that it may get destroyed soon a bit like sim city etc uh, so that's that's pretty cool uh, that's in early access now on steam it was previously on itch in early builds which were free to download it's obviously not now uh, shape of the world also launched shape of the world's a really cool uh, game where the world grows around you uh, I believe you can literally just walk and jump around this world and as you move near things they they kind of come to life and fill in around you and kind of rocks and trees rush out of the ground and these creatures just spring to life and grass expands above you it's, and it's it's just amazing. Uh, really, really worth checking out. Just a kind of exploration game where you just go through these different, different worlds and settings and yeah, absolutely wonderful. Uh, I'm doing these very quickly, sorry. Uh, Timber Towers is finally out. I think I... Well, apparently it launched last year in early access and fully launched now. Mm. I remember writing about this when it went through Greenlight, I think back in 2016, and it honestly feels like it's been about a decade. But uh, So it's a, it's a turn-based, turn-based fighting game, turn-based strategy game, uh, where you play as kind of forest animals and you're fighting against insects and bugs and other things and it just has a really nice theme. I really like the artwork. I've seen the developer around and they just seem like a really nice person and it's just nice to see a well-made turn-based strategy game launch uh, that's so bright and colourful. And finally, this is because I've got a big soft spot for Wonder Boy games. Uh, Agelos, I believe is the pronunciation of it has now launched and it's it's really like somebody has sat there and dreamed and dreamed and dreamed and dreamed what would have happened if the Wonder Boy series from the Master System days had just continued to grow and grow and get bigger and bigger and bigger. So so it's it's got a lot of it's got a lot of the kind of appearance of the uh, of the early Wonder Boy games and the bosses are these massive screen occupying things and, and it's all kind of sword fighting and sixteen bit background but it's got advanced maneuvers in there that weren't possible in games back then wherein you can say double charge and, and boost and a whole bunch of extra abilities it's just a really cool metroidvania inspired by the game that in my mind defined metroidvanias before metroid and castlevania came along and did what made them become the term for metroidvanias <gasps> breathe cool my turn right 
Good pizza, great pizza. Good pizza, great pizza is the first game that I've purchased in a very long time. I purchased it because you can make pizzas in it and it looks adorable. It is indeed an adorable game where you can make pizzas. You have a lot of freedom over making the pizzas, but everyone's gonna judge your pizzas. Also, no one orders pizza like a normal human. In normal life, you get a phone call if you work in a pizzeria and someone's like, yeah, I'd like a large pepperoni. Here, they say stuff like, a bear is chasing me. I probably need an onion pizza. Or, can I get a pepperoni without any pepperoni? Which means they just want cheese. You have the option to say, uh, what? But if you do, you're wasting your time. So you just figure that out. You make the pizza. Um, yeah, it's great. There's like a, a pizza parlor across the, the way from you that's always trying to like mess with you. But then again, he comes over every day and pays for your pizza. So uh, he seems to be a friend of me. I think we're friends. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it's just a really nice game. I like games about food. It's adorable. I played quite a bit of it. Uh, had a good time. And never put on the right amount of toppings. You can lose a lot of money if you put too much toppings on the pizza. And I did a lot of that. Because you have such freedom to just do what you want. Yeah, yeah, cool, cool. It's a great game. Um, Dude Stop is a game that was originally started in um, Ludum Dare ages ago. And it's now out on Steam. And it's basically a game where there's a bunch of like puzzles and there's a narrator. And he tells you to do something and you can do it or you cannot do it. So it'll be simple things like cut that pizza into four pieces and you could just not. Or like put all of the Legos into the bowl and you could just not. Or put the stamp on the spot where the stamp goes on this letter. But you could also do what he says and you get rewarded based on what you end up doing and what you end up not doing. And um, he also gets quite angry with you, which is the funny bit, um, depending on what you do. I don't know. It's pretty funny. It's a good game. Good chat, cool. good chat. You can also find hidden puzzle pieces. I never I never remember to click on them, so I don't know what they do yet. But you know. So, good pizza, great pizza sounds like a very pizza-based cook-serve delicious. It's not as intense at all as cook-serve delicious. It's like the most low-key cook-serve delicious. You get one customer at a time. They say weird stuff to you. You make their pizza. Most of the time, they tell you you're perfect and that you're beautiful. And you're like, oh, thank you. Uh, it's just it's just a wholesome pizza game. I kind of want to play that now. Same, same. I mean, I played a lot of it. I bought it. Like, I bought it. I don't buy games. I don't play games for fun anymore. I haven't for a while. And I bought this game, and I played it. And it was great. Has anybody played the Cook, Serve, Delicious 2 Barista update that launched last month? Mmm. No. A big update added a whole bunch more drinks and presumably other slightly baristery things. So, like, uh. You're a barista. Yeah, those green things on toast and stuff. Things avocado. Like that. Avocado. Yeah, that, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you not know the word avocado? I forgot it. I was going to say asparagus. <laughs> what? I'd, what? I'd, I'd have asparagus and toast. Yeah, I think that'd probably be quite nice with a little bit of mustard. Yeah. A bit of garlic? Yeah, exactly. Obviously, you I'm in the wrong business. Want, you want to start a cafe with <laughs> asparagus on toast. That's all we sell. And a, and a variety of other foodstuffs that are one step away <laughs> from what they should have been. <laughs> so, like, rather than baked beans on toast, it's like kidney beans on toast. And, kidney and, beans on yeah, toast. Yeah, and stuff like that. So that, that It's all could... just breakfast stuff, but it's just sli everything's slightly off. That's it, yeah. And we'll call it Spot the Difference. <laughs> That's good. What? I like what? that. And then we serve mm -hmm. half of the dishes correct and the other half wrong. <laughs> yes. Deliberately. Yes. <laughs> That's the angle. What? We're, we're starting a business. <laughs> what? Or a game. I don't know. One of the two. What? Does this, do, do we need to explain it? I think, Things I to like, look I out like, for. I'm <laughs> I think on. you should do the whole description again. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. <laughs> Although I am a bit confused about the end bit where you serve half of them correct. Do you mean half of them correct as per the menu says? So half of them are actually asparagus on toast? Or do you mean the actual correct version of what it should be? So the menu says asparagus on toast. You're serving avocado on toast, but the avocado on toast isn't correct. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I meant. The second one or the first one? I gave you two options. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> 
See, half 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 the options in your question were correct, and half were incorrect. So they served you both. Oh, okay. I think I'm okay now. Are you? Because I spit all over my computer screen, and I don't know how to fix this. See, why why you were describing that good pizza, great pizza just happened to install on my phone? Don't know how that could happen. Oh wait, it's a phone game. Yeah, it was a mobile game first. There is a mobile one, yeah. I know nothing about the mobile game. I am only here to recommend the Steam version. Good chat, great chat. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, should we go on to what yes. we want to... Will I uh, clean the spit off of my monitor? <laughs> Please read the next bit. Okay, so, well, if you might know that E3 happened. Just a small little thing in the yes. game community. I missed it. I don't know what happened. Um, I mean, a, it was, a couple it was of right. must have heard of it. Probably. It's it's pretty niche. But anyway, um, part of that was a little indie game called Desert Child, um, which was announced and had a little release trailer. This was on, I think it was, well, it says here on the 7th of June. And the basic description that they have on the Steam page is, you're broke, you're hungry, and your only friends are a vintage hover bike and a bowl of ramen noodles. In Desert Child, developed solely by developer Oscar Britton, you are a young and talented hover bike racer who needs to figure out how you can scrape enough cash together through racing and odd jobs to punch your one-way ticket to the Red Planet to enter the biggest race in the universe, the Grand Prix. You'll deliver pizzas, collect gun parts, hunt bounties, and make some fans along the way. In between races, you'll explore colourful cities where you can repair and upgrade your bike, dine on the local cuisine, and fight your way through gangsters, bounty hunters, and all sorts of interesting characters, just so that you can have a decent meal and keep your bike running. And I... Cool. I just added that to my wish list. Uh, and it's supposed to come out later this year, but there's not an actual set release date, just winter Q4 2018. That's cool. Developers don't tend to make their release dates anyway. This is true. It looks like a really interesting game. They have a very nice picture of ramen. That's important to me. That's true. Sun Balance. Did you play Sun Balance at Gamescom, Dan? Nope. Why do you suck? <laughs> I've played a whole bunch of different games. <laughs> Did Ooh. you play anything good? Uh, Yeah, loads. Probably oh. 70, 80 of them. Disagree. Loads. Loads and loads. Some balance was given the release date, which is in July. Uh, explore a world where the default is soft, where the property of hardness doesn't exist. Each of the game's three worlds explore a new consequence of a planet that can shift, change, and deform. Be- beat back the strange crystal- crystalline infections of hard material by freeing the world's life essence and uncover the dark cause for its appearance. This game, you're, like, really jumpy as, like, a little slime character, but you can also, like, make the environment different and make yourself different. So you can, like, like knock platformers, platformers? platforms up, and you can knock, like, platforms left and right and knock them down, and then you can make yourself flat and then make yourself big to give yourself more jumps or to fit through spaces. And it's a really clever game. I've been watching the development of this for far too long, because um, it seems cool, it's, and um, I'm excited about it. It's been a bit of a GIF sensation on Twitter as well. It's one of those, yeah. isn't it, where you keep seeing like the little character run along and then smash into the platform above them to deform it, and then mm-hmm. I have seen a lot of this around, and I am looking forward to it. And it was also, well, you should play it at Gamescom. It's also the first game um, that's coming out of South Africa, I believe, and that's like a big deal. Um, the developers were in Forbes, uh, South Africa, like the South African version of Forbes. Um, so that's just really cool that it's like a six, well, or in my eyes, an already successful or going to be successful game that's coming out of a new part of the world. Does this make sense? Am I making any sense? That makes some sense. I mean, there's, there's been very few big games that have come out of, of, South Africa, depending on how you gauge games as big, but this has certainly had the, the largest following of all the games that I know of that have come from from that country. Uh, and it, yeah. it's, it's always nice when a light is shone in different parts of the world. I've not heard of this next one. Uh, Learn something new every day. Yeah. Signalis. Signalis or Signalis. I've only found out about it um, recently. 
but I love it. Um, it's exactly my kind of, because I do quite like horror, thriller kind of games, and so it's exactly my up my road. And this game, Signalis or Signalis, um, had a debut trailer release um, earlier in June. And it's been billed as a Lovecraft-inspired sci-fi story where players step into the utilitarian space boots of Elster, a replica, uh, presumably some sort of android. She finds herself marooned on a desolate and frozen planet where things have obviously gone quite terribly wrong. Developers Rose Engine, made up of RTGO Alexander Zverger and Barbara Whitman, have been working on this one for some time as this early 2014 concept shows. Uh, the current iteration of the game seems to have settled on a blend of sharp pixels and a PlayStation era 3D um, and a more isolated setting. And I don't know if you guys are going to watch the trailer, but I love the just how weird the trailer is and how creepy. I will watch the trailer afterwards because otherwise everybody will hear the trailer because of my, <laughs> because of my setup. You should work on your setup. I'm trying to watch the trailer, but YouTube's actually broken for me right now. This is the end of the world, isn't it? Because that means Google's gone down too. So you start wandering through the streets and. Did you not notice that your house is in ruins? (laughs) No, I didn't. Uh, We predicted it. I mean, it had to happen eventually. That's it. But within half an hour, that's ridiculously good predicting. We should should get a lottery ticket. Yeah, fair. Well, it doesn't count now, does it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how this works. This has never happened before. It's not like civilization collapses every other day. Does it not? This is it. Well, maybe Fair. it does. I don't Fair. know. Fair, yeah. Uh, I'll read this next bit of news, because uh, I've kind of spoken with the developers myself as well, because I'm quite interested in this. So, The Commission is launching in August. So, The Commission is a uh, mob, mafia-themed game it's uh set it's a grand strategy type one as well uh there's not been a proper mob game for a long long time uh when i first started following this which was shortly before they contacted me they it it kind of reminded me of the gangsters games that were published by idos back in the in the mid 90s which were these extremely heavy and hard well the first one was extremely heavy and hard to interact with games uh, but that had so much going on. Part of the reason that I continued playing games is because I was fascinated by the world creation uh, that was in the first Gangsters game, Gangsters Organised Crime, where it would just build a city and populate every single person that lived in the city. So there was a chief of police who would go to work somewhere and would live somewhere. And this was in the 90s, and it didn't make any sense how a game could do that. Obviously, it was databases. But how a game could do that at the time and this is what this game reminded me of anyway i'll read the uh, the news bit so the grand strategy genre tends to operate on a big scale centuries of history global war and politics galactic conquest the commission is approaching the genre through a smaller lens instead focusing on a single city and placing you in control of a mafia family's operations in the 1920s the commission is expected to release in summer, well, August, on Steam. Uh, and for more details, you can follow the developers who are 302 Interactive. They're on Twitter and on Facebook. And it looks cool. It looks really cool. My kind of thing. Uh, there were many. There were many years where kind of a strategic uh, mob game just you couldn't you couldn't find them. And there's currently two or three actually that are in development. There's another one called Organized Crime as well that's being worked on. And yeah, it's just cool to see him again because it's been so long since gangsters and uh, and legal crime uh, were about. Godfather, the Godfather Two game on the Xbox 360, slightly touched on the strategic side, but not really. So this is cool. Promise. Cool. We'll take your word for it. Cheers. <laughs> Good chat. Good chat. Great. I pizza. guess this next one's me. Sure. Uh, yeah, a very short one. Uh, Bomber Crew now has a console release date, and I'm pretty sure we've talked about it at least twice before. Uh, once from EGX when we saw it, and once when it was released on PC, I believe. Uh, but it's the uh, World War Two strategic simulation game. Um, the release date on PS4, Xbox One, and Switch is going to be the 10th of July. 
which possibly will have already happened by the time you hear this. So, yeah, if you're waiting for console, it will be out. Check it out. Summer Games Done Quick raised $2.1 million for Doctors Without Borders. Uh, Summer Games Done Quick uh, has raised, it's like, two. I'm not reading this number, I'm sorry. It's $2.1 million uh, for charity. Um, a new record that was set for the, the event. Um, so this is one of the two biannual speedrunning marathons for a charity that takes place as a part of Games Done Quick. Um, the other awesome Games Done Quick takes place during the winter. I believe we've talked about it before. Both events stream nonstop for a week with donations going to different charities. The cash from the event will go to Doctors Without Borders, an international nonprofit that seeks to provide medical aid, care, and relief to those who need it around the world. I've never actually watched Games Done Quick. I I've watched it a couple t- quite a few times actually. Um, I remember we've we've even covered Summer Games Done Quick because we did it last year. Yeah. Um, but I remember Awesome Games Done Quick raised I think it was like one point six or seven. So they've like got an extra four hundred thousand from that. It's amazing. I mean, I I I don't really like summer games done quick. I think it's really cool that people can do the feats, but there's always this big contest between somebody telling the history of the game and somebody being like, "Yeah, and this is how I broke the game." And I've I've seen a few developers who I really kind of respect talking about how they made stuff and how it's a shame that it's been broken, while the other person's like, "Yeah, I had to break it, whatever." And so there's always this kind of contest, but it is lovely seeing games done quick and it's kind of an art form as well. And I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, there's no way I'm going to complain about money being raised for Medicine San Frontiers. So kind of like Doctors Without Borders is, is really, really important. So it's, it's mm-hmm. great that this money was raised for a good, good cause. Yeah, I think when, I, when I've seen kind of developers on the SETI, they're either one of two things, where they either find it hilarious and think it's awesome the way that people have found these exploits or they're like you said a bit more um heartbroken or upset that people are just like being quite blase about it yeah um so it's always kind of i find it in that the fact that you get those two very different reactions quite interesting because i remember watching some one developer i can't remember which game it was but one developer was watching the speed run and they were talking about how they just found it completely bonkers what people managed to do and they were loved it and always found it hilarious when they got to watch people do these exploitations. Yeah, I mean, uh, for me at least, um, obviously not a developer, haven't made any games on there, but I, I do love the the really broken runs. Like, if they're just doing the game fast, whatever, it's it's a fast playthrough, isn't it? But the ones that are really broken are great. But there is that sort of thing where sometimes the runners will sort of show you this thing that took them a year to be able to do consistently that, like, one person found out how to do after playing the game for five years. And they'll be talking about how the game's so broken. And it's like, it's not broken. You yeah. literally spent years figuring out how to break it. Yeah, yeah. But I, I don't know. I mean, a, a lot of the runners are respectful of the games, but obviously it, yeah, it varies a bit. One one run that I always really like is when they use um, something called Taskbot to speed run through things. And as far as I, I don't know it too well, I've just seen some videos, but I think Taskbot is like a tool that speedrunners use to be able to f- accurately kind of figure out frames in which they can do. Because, you know, inputs at specific frames is very important in speedrunning. And so you have this taskbot thing where you can mess about with different frames and go backwards and forwards in time. And they got it to play Celeste. And I th- that was this year. And I'd really recommend watching that because it's just crazy what you... If you can like optimize your button presses and your timing to be frame accurate, it's just amazing to see what kind of things one can pull off. Because there was stuff when in Celeste, it, they were just took them they were like uh going across an entire screen in less than a second pretty much yeah i mean celeste is celeste and a lot of kind of pixel perfect platformers are are some of the kind of they're kind of the few games that i can imagine myself sitting there and watching speedrunners do most of the time i kind of sit there and think i just want to play this game instead I don't need to know this stuff but but with things like kind of cloudberry kingdom and i suppose super meat boy and things like Celeste, where it's 
it's so hard to get into the right groove and when you get into the right groove you feel fantastic because you just timed that and did it by luck without without even thinking i imagine it's brilliant to just watch these what feel like one in a million chances just happen one after another mm-hmm. i think celeste has a speedrun mode in it as well i wouldn't dare <laughs> So not quite related, but I've noticed recently there's been a a lot of progress on uh, Mario 64 runs that where you don't press the A button, so no jumping basically and completing the game. Uh, but there's some tool assisted ones which are r- ridiculous because it's doing pulling off things that a person could never do, and I'm sure they'll do it in the next uh, GDQ and prove me wrong. <laughs> but the 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 best part is that in there's a, a few levels. I think there's two levels where you basically have to leave it running for like four days until some calculations get a bit messed up and then you can do the level. So, you, you, I, I mean, in theory, you could run it their way if it's the first game at GDQ and then you leave it running and then you check in at the end of GDQ and finish the run, maybe. <laughs> I saw a very impressive backflip up a set of stairs that you can't do or a reversing conveyor or something that stops you from getting up the up there normally in in 64 oh is that the infinite staircase yes yeah you if you if you turn around and perform a backflip it's exempt because it, it it breaks the the normal boundaries because the backwards movement is is actually played out on the character or something so by so by flipping mario around and backflipping you you reverse the momentum I don't know. It's it's very clever. I I do like the science of it as much as I moaned earlier. I played Mario Kart for the first time a couple of months ago. Did you speedrun it? No. <laughs> Which one was it? <laughs> Snez. No, there's questions. I don't know. Snez one's good. I don't think it was on the Snez because it wasn't retro looking. It was nice looking. Hey. Good chat. Good chat. Nice is subjective. <laughs> mhm. Good chat. Good chat. Right. Okay. So that's there's rifts forming in the group. It's okay. Dad's never coming back. Not at this rate. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, unless I fuck up this audio, <laughs> in which case <laughs> I will just die. Right. Great chat. Great chat. That's all the news we have. Um. Hopefully we'll get back on doing this more regularly instead of whatever's been going on. Um, with that said, develops in a few days. This is going to take some time to edit, so good chat. Thank you for being patient with me. Uh, if you want to find me, I'm at Jupiter Hadley on Twitter. Jupiter underscore Hadley on Twitter. I know my Twitter URL. Cool. Joseph, who are you? Um, I am on Twitter at Hesketh Joseph. That's H-E-S-K-E-T-H-J-O-S-E-P-H. I'm guessing it'll be in the description, actually. Yeah, everything will be in the description. I spelled it out. Um, And I sometimes post funny tweets. You have a blog as well, don't you? Yeah, it's down at the moment because I'm I'm doing some rebranding. Oh, cool. Kemp, where do people find you? Uh, Usually at Kemp Plays on Twitter. Cool. Nice and easy. Cool. Dan, what would you like to promo? Uh, Probably not my personal Twitter, because that's FBF Dan, and that probably needs to change at some point over the next while. But my website is, or the website that I I founded and and, uh, and co-run is uh, BigBossBattle.com, where we review games, and write about games, and curate games, and talk about games a lot. And it's great. All games all the time. Pretty much. All the games. Yep. New articles daily. Yeah, that's true. You can also find my stuff over there as well. And mine. And mine. And mine. And mine. Mine as well. Also mine. Yep. (laughs) This goes on platforms where you can't watch and like and comment. Thank you for doing whatever you do on whatever platform you're listening or watching or enjoying this content on. Good chat. Do the interactions. (laughs) Wonderful. Do the interactions. Cool. Bye. See ya. Bye. Adios.